want to read with us, we're going to read out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. We'll begin reading with verse number 9. We'll read down through verse 13. Matthew, chapter number 9, and we'll read verses 9 through 13. So our little ones are being dismissed to children's church this morning. I think it would be foolhardy of me not to make mention that uh, everything that's been going on for a month and a half, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but on October the 7th, Israel was invaded, and uh, that conflict has been going on, even though they're in a, a truce right now while hostages are being released. Uh, nations are still aligning themselves against the nation of Israel. We could be seeing the foundation, the ground work being laid for Ezekiel's war. And I want you to keep constantly in the forefront of your mind as we're told in the scripture that Jesus is coming. Yes, sir. And uh, he can come any day now. Yes. And, uh, every time I pray and everything I pray about and every message I preach is with that in mind. So I pray that you would take heed and take heart to the word of the Lord this morning, knowing that every message we hear could very well be our last. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 9 as Jesus or and as Jesus passed forth from thence he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom that's where they collected tax and he saith unto him follow me and he arose and followed him it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I felt like God gave me this text uh, as part of the bridge. I, I told you I don't really take credit to write a song, but when God gives them to me, he just pours the, the words into me and I write them down. And one of the, one of the things God's been saying to me in the bridge of that song is go and learn what it means. I will have mercy. And so as I was preparing my heart to, to preach this message, I knew the theme of what I was going to preach on, but I said, I feel like that's the text you want me to preach from. And Again, in verse 13, but go and learn what that meaneth, or go and learn what it means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. Again, I want to preach on mercy wouldn't let me die. Mercy wouldn't let me die. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you, Lord, that you'll speak now to our heart through the scripture and by your spirit. And I pray, oh God, knowing that you've ordained this service for us who would be here, you knew who would be here. And oh God, you've ordained this service for us accordingly. You wanted us to hear this and you wanted us to hear it right now. And I pray, oh God, that you would 
meet the need that's in this house today. Somebody is here in need of your mercy. Like never before, they need mercy this morning. They need it right now. I pray, oh God, that you would open up the windows of heaven and the mercies of God would reign in this house. Oh Lord, if there's one here that's lost, I pray they'd leave saved. Someone here sick or infirm or diseased in body, I pray they'd leave healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray we'd, we'd leave all with a fresh baptism in your spirit, with your power. Meet every need, touch every heart. Don't let us leave like we came. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Mercy wouldn't let me die. Got a lot of testimonies uh, that are still coming in from our trip to Pakistan uh, of the mercies of God. Lord willing, I'll share them with you maybe on Sunday night, tonight, and maybe some more on uh, on Wednesday night. We were also, he used that leftover money that we had raised for the conference, and uh, they've already got the well uh, dug in one of those villages, and he sent me pictures of a lot of village people, and especially those children standing there in front of a hand pump with a stream of white, clean water coming out and a look of sheer amazement on their face that not only do they have, have water in the village, in the camp, but it's clean water. And that means life for them. That means health for them. We, we take so much of that for granted, but uh, for them, it's the mercies of God. And uh, uh, my heart is, is thrilled. So try to share more of that with you tonight and on Wednesday night. But so we look in our text where Jesus said, Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy. The word mercy uh, is the Greek word elios, and it means mercy, kindness, or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. Kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. And Jesus said, I will have mercy. It was in response to the question, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Publicans were tax collectors of their day, and everybody loves the IRS, right? I mean, you get as happy when you get something in the mail or a phone call from the IRS as I would be because they want money. And you feel like they've already been given too much of your money and that they don't deserve one penny more. And if anybody owes anybody, they ought to be giving us Amen. some of our money back. Mm -hmm. With what's in the White House, with what's in the House and what's in the Senate, we need a refund. <laughs> I ain't running for office, but we need a refund. Well, they, needless to say, the publicans worked for the Romans, and they were Jews hired by Roman authority to tax the Jews that were subject under their, their rule or authority 
And the Jews hated nobody on the planet like they hated a publican. A traitor. Most of the publicans, because the Romans didn't pay them enough wages to live, they would assess more taxes than what was due. And so not only did, were they considered traitors, they were considered thieves. Money greedy, robbers. And they were, they were lower than a dog. If you were a publican, your parents would disown you. You ain't our son no more. You, you, you just, you had little to no friends. You may have had a lot of money, but you didn't have, you didn't have any friends. Most likely you didn't have any family. And the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciple a question. Why does your master eat with publicans and with sinners? Well, that's the the, the pre-drop to that goes all the way back to verse 9. Jesus walked by the receipt of custom where the taxes were collected at. And Matthew, a publican, was collecting taxes. And Jesus just walked by the table and looked at Matthew and said, follow me. And he left the receipt of custom. He left his job. He left the money on the table, and he walked away. That, that's, that's a pretty amazing call in the story. Matthew, in the book of Matthew, is giving you, kind of writing, his own testimony. He's telling you where it all began, and he's being really humble. Because if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are humble. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. He don't make a whole lot of the story, but... If you understand the setting of the story, it is really miraculous. Jesus is, he has a band of disciples with him, and they're all Jewish men. And I can tell you, Peter and James and John and Nathaniel and every one of them men hated publicans as much as the Pharisees hated publicans. They were taught to hate publicans. They had hated publicans their whole life. And when Jesus walked by the receipt of custom, Matthew, come on, follow me. He joins in the ranks. And old Peter adjusted his tie. I see him look over at Andrew, his brothers. Just ask them. Publican. Got a publican walking in our group. We already hate it. Everybody hates Jesus anyway. Everybody hates us because we're following Jesus. And he puts a publican in the midst of us. But nobody said nothing. Nobody dared say to the Lord, hey, you got the wrong guy. Jesus knows he's a publican. Everybody with him knows he's a publican. Everybody just held it. And it came to pass, the next verse says, as Jesus said at meet in the house. Whose house? What house? In Matthew's house. He goes to Matthew's house. And who were the only friends that publicans had? Other publicans. 
You ever notice that birds of a feather flock together? People with like interests, like habits, or whatever, they hang out together. <laughs> and usually, bad people keep bad company. <laughs> There's some places you don't want to go after dark. The bad people hang out there. And they keep bad company. And Matthew, the only friends he had in the world was other publicans. And Jesus, at some point, hey, y'all hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Matthew, you're hungry? I, yeah, I, I am hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Where do you want to go? Not KFC. That's where I got sick at in Pakistan. Been a long time before I used another KFC. <laughs> Not Hardy's, Brother Corey said. That's where he was at when the sickness hit him. <laughs> where you want to eat at? Somebody said, Well, I don't know. Longhorn sounds good to me. He said, I think we'll eat at Matthew's house today. What? I want to go to Matthew's house. It's a publican's house. Matthew? Let's eat at your house. All right, Lord, we can eat at my house. Call and invite all your friends over. Well, Lord, I don't have many of them. Well, call the ones you got. He called every publican in the county. The Pharisees come by and Jesus and his bunch is in Matthew's house and they're eating with a group of publicans and sinners. When the Pharisees, the religious of his day, saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? This is Jesus' answer and response to all that's going on. When he heard that, he didn't let the disciples answer because they didn't want to be eating with them no more than the Pharisees did. He said, I'll answer that for myself. They that be whole, those that are well, don't need a doctor. Right. Only the ones that are sick. You want to know why I'm here with Matthew and all these other publicans? Because you won't have anything to do with them. Yeah, right. You've locked them out and shut them out of the kingdom of God. And they don't even have a way to be saved. A publican could not enter into the synagogue and a publican was not welcome in the temple. They were shut out, locked out. No friends, no family, no hope. Jesus said, people that are well don't, don't need a doctor, only the ones that are sick. And I didn't come to call righteous people to repentance, but rather... I come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why I'm here. He said, but go and learn what it means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. The word mercy, elios, kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted, join with a desire to help them. Go and learn what this means. God wants to help people that need his help. Hallelujah. 
God desires to help people that need his help. He is compassionate upon those who need compassion. As I was praying over this message, I said, oh, Lord, I can remember being a new, newly saved, converted, filled with the Holy Ghost, called to preach. Every young preacher's hottest message is on hell. Man, I'm telling you, just if you wasn't living right, I mean, you need to get right. Preach on. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. You need to study more. You need to be more faithful. And all of the above is true. Every bit of it. But the Lord asked me in prayer, he said, why is it that the older men get, the more merciful they become? He said, you see much more now the need to preach on the mercies of God than you did 30 years ago, don't you? And I said, I do. And he said, I'll tell you why. Because the older you get, the more mercy you need. I didn't need these when I was 28 years old. Some people were born needing them. I wasn't. When I turned 40, I used to preach out of that Dates Bible. Tiny, tiny print. Dates Bible, the word, the sentences started jumping and wiggling around on me. Then it started happening to the hymn book. I, I've sang those hymns my whole life, my memory. I, I may have sang it 10,000 times, but I couldn't sing I'll Fly Away if I didn't glance down at the words every now and again. I couldn't see the hymn book. And I always tried to claim the promise, as I was with Moses, so shall I also be with thee. He was 120 years old, but his eyes never grew dim, and his natural force was never abated. At 120, he's a strong old man. At 120, he didn't need no reading glasses. And I said, Lord, there's a promise in the Bible that I want to claim. I want that one. <laughs> well, at 40, God let me know you ain't getting that one. I went and got me some readers. And at 41, they got worse. Readers wouldn't work. And I went and got my eyes tested. He said, oh, yeah, you're going to have to have prescription glasses. I got them, and at 42, they got worse. He said, you're going to have to have bifocals. I said, bifocals? I'm going blind. He laughed. He said, you're getting old. I said, is this going to stop, or am I going to need a walking stick? He said, it'll level off sooner or later. <laughs> I was praying one night, and the Lord said, what would you do if you didn't have glasses? Couldn't read your Bible. Wouldn't be able to see the songs and those song books to sing them. Everything you preach and everything you sang would have to be by memory or by heart. What would you do if you didn't have glasses? I said, it'd be tough, Lord. And the Lord said, this is what you'd do. You'd pray and believe me until I healed you. That's what you'd do. He said, but you don't need me to heal you because you got the glasses. You can see can't see you right now because I got them on. <laughs> you put them on, you can see. So that 
alleviates the need to pray. But God said, don't ever forget that if you need mercy, you know I'll give it to you. If you need the compassions of God, he will show you his compassion and his tender mercy when we need it, wherever we need it. He said, go and learn what it means. I will have mercy, kindness, and goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted join with a desire to help them and not sacrifice. Here's the, here's the thing about the word sacrifice. It's the Greek word thuo, and it means to slay or to kill. Speaking of the Passover lamb. But that's what the word means. I will have mercy and will not slay or will not kill. And you say, what's the significance of that? Because the wages of sin is death. You deserved hell, but God gave you mercy. The wages of sin is death, and God would have been just in allowing you to die. God would have been just in allowing us to be condemned to hell. But he said, I would rather give you mercy than to sentence you to die. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. So we look again and examine the call of Matthew in our text. Matthew's call was purely mercy. What is the significance of Matthew's call over Peter's call, over Andrew's call, over John's call, over Nathaniel's call? Over all the other disciples. What's the significance? Matthew's call was one of pure mercy. Think about this. He wasn't shouting like Bartimaeus was. Jesus walking by in the distance and Bartimaeus shouted, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't do that. He wasn't Climbing up a sycamore tree. Trying to see or to find Jesus like Zacchaeus did. He didn't tear the roof off of a house to get to where Jesus was. He didn't press through the crowd to try to touch the Lord. He wasn't the publican outside of the temple smiting upon his chest praying, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. He wasn't seeking God at all. He was doing what he had been doing every day before that. Sitting at the receipt of custom, taking taxes, uh, probably taking more than he should have. He was just being Matthew. He didn't initiate contact with Jesus. He didn't say, hey, aren't you Jesus? Mm -mm. Jesus initiated contact with him. Who could have ever seen Matthew as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Who could have known that Matthew would one day be full of the Holy Ghost and a writer of the gospel? He was contemptible and despicable to the Jews, but not to Jesus. To Jesus, he saw him as a man to save and not to slaughter. 
to the Savior. He's a man needing mercy. And he gave him not just mercy, but mercy in abundance. He forgave him, saved him, called him, filled him, and used him. Life and life more abundantly. You imagine a dentist don't see a man when he walks into the office full of, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you down the road so you can go get you some false teeth. You got a mouthful of rotten teeth and I don't want to fool with you. A dentist is in business for one reason. I want to save your teeth. A doctor, you walk into the emergency room, they're not there to tell you, hey, you're sick, go home and die. They're there to try to save your life. And Jesus said, when I see somebody that's bound up in sin, that's lived a rotten life, that's despicable, that's contemptible, that ought to die and go to hell, I'm here to save them. I'm here to rescue them. Who else was going to? Ain't nobody going to show a, 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 a publican no mercy. Nobody going to let the publican in the church. You tell me what crosses your mind when you see a woman working the streets. You know, we don't have that in Foley, but I can tell you, you go to, over to Mobile, Pensacola, you stop at the right red light, somebody going to tap on the side window. You tell me what crosses your mind. It ain't to carry them to Waffle House and ask them if you're hungry, can I buy you something to eat? It happened to me in Jacksonville. I left camp meeting at 103rd Street Church of God there in downtown Jacksonville, rough quarters. I was sitting at the red light, looking straight ahead, and I heard. I looked. To my right, out of the corner of my eye, and there was a young, blonde-headed girl there. And she leaned over, want me to roll the window down. I said, she said, you need a date? I said, and she kissed the window, brother Homer. Left big old lipstick print on side glass. I'm sitting there in the middle of the high four lane, wrong side of town. It's late at night, the light's red. I just took my foot off the gas and run right through the red light. I'm out. <laughs> I didn't go hunting her the next day either. Say, you want to ride to camp meeting with me? But you know, that girl is some man's daughter. Some mama's little girl. Some old man's granddaughter. Nobody loves my grandbabies more than I do. I can tell you that. And if that was my grandbaby, Brother Bob, I need, I need a man of God somewhere out there that find my grandbaby and say, Hey, God wants to be merciful to you today. God wants to show you compassion today. The Lord wants to save you. But if we're not careful, we look at them through eyes of contempt. And we forget we were worthy of hell one day. That used to be us. 
You can label or categorize uh, the degree of sinfulness to which you was a sinner, but you were a sinner. And you did need mercy. I got news for you. I ain't a sinner today. I'm a child of God, but I need as much mercy to stand behind this pulpit as a harlot on the corner needs to go to heaven. Because Jesus said the adversary of your soul, the devil goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said in John 10 verse 9, I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have a life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and cares not for the sheep. Guess which word the Lord used? In John 10 and 10, but thee cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It is the same word that Jesus said, go and learn what it means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. It's the Greek word, thuo. I will have mercy and will not kill or slaughter. He said the thief is the one that comes to kill and to slaughter. I'm here to save them. You don't need nobody to condemn you because the Bible said if you ain't born again, your heart condemns you. You don't need anybody to tell you you're going to hell. You're just going to go down on your own if the Lord don't save you. Jesus said the Son of Man has not come to the earth or come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world's condemned already. Same exact word. That was found in our text. I will have mercy and not through all, and not to kill or to slaughter. That's the mercy of God. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. He said of his sheep in John 10 and 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. You know what he was saying to the house of Israel? I know you're Jews and I know you're the children and the descendants of Abraham and, and that I'm your God by covenant with Abraham, but I've got some more sheep too. Sheep that are not of this fold. Gentile. Outside of the house and the covenant that I've made with Israel. They are going to hear my voice and they will. there will be one fold and one shepherd. Those sheep of the house of Israel, other sheep, the Gentiles, some sheep without spot and others black sheep. He'll fight to save them all is what he's saying. You picture Israel they pictured themselves as a flock of white sheep. 
fleece white as snow, without spot, without blemish, the chosen of God. And then they looked at the Gentiles uh, lower than a dog. Publicans, that was Matthew, and sinners. That was others, Gentiles, dogs. Why does your master eat with publicans? They're, they're the white flock of sheep, and everybody that wasn't in their flock uh, was a black sheep. He'll fight to save them all is what he said. Black sheep need a shepherd. They're lost. If I don't save them, who will? He said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not a hired. The man that's hired to watch the sheep, when the threat comes, he runs. Leaves the sheep to the wolves. He's only in it with the money, but a good shepherd. He'll give his life for the sheep. And I'm here to do that. I'm here to save every sheep that can be saved. I'll lay down my life to save them all. When we get to heaven, somebody's going to ask you, Hey, how did you get here? Your answer's going to be, Mercy wouldn't let me die. I didn't find him. He found me. I didn't seek him out. He sought me out. He wouldn't let me go to hell. He wouldn't stop dealing with my heart to pray. He wouldn't let me go so far that I would give up on my own soul. He wouldn't let me die. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Listen, I, uh, uh, over the years, been saved 30 years, I found out I need mercy as, as much as anybody. When I get to heaven, there, the Bible said that we're going to be able to peer down into that bottomless pit. We're going to be able to see the abyss and to hear the cries of the damned. And that's where Satan and the false prophet and the beast are going to be. It's going to forever be a reminder that's what I'm saved from. I should have been there, but here I am. How'd you get here? He wouldn't let me die. He wouldn't let me go to hell. Somebody said, you go to hell, you'll have to tread over the blood of Jesus to get there. If you go to hell, you'll have to detour around the cross to get there. If you go to hell, you'll have to deny the love of God in Christ Jesus. He don't want you to go there. He'll do everything in his power to stop you from going there. And I told Brother Corey, how, how do you save a man that won't be saved? Somebody's drowning, you throw them a, a, a life preserver, Brother Bob, and they just hold their nose and go into the water. Ain't nothing you can do. But he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And everybody that hears it and believes it, I'll save them. And them that won't hear it and won't believe it, they'll be lost. But they all deserve to hear it. They all deserve to know it. They're reachable. You need to be reaching for them. I told somebody not long ago, I 
I said, I feel like some experiences in life you go through, I feel like Job. Hell done everything he could do to kill him. But the Lord said, you can take all of his possessions, you can, you can slaughter everything around him, all of his herds. You can take all of his money, you can take his house, even all of his children were gone. One thing he had left was his wife. She told him, just curse God and die. The Lord said, you can't have his life. You cannot kill him. You cannot kill him. And he let him touch him. He was from the head to the sole of his foot, a loathsome disease. Boils covered his flesh. Skin worms ate on his flesh. Gave him three rotten, lousy friends. But you can't kill him. I can see hell putting his foot down on the top of Job's head. I'll make him curse you. I'll get him to curse you. I mean, his wife, his friends, his sickness, he ain't got nothing. I can just hear the devil. Why won't you just curse God and die? I can almost hear Job say back to him, he won't let me die. There's a champion on the inside of us. As a child of God, Jesus lives in here. Why won't you die? Why won't you give up on God? Why won't you compromise the truth or just backslide and take the easy broad road? I can't. He won't let me. He loves me too much. Mercy won't let me die. That's not only Matthew's story. That's Matthew's story. What's a publican doing here? Him. He just walked by the receipt of custom one day and pulled me right out of the pit of hell that I found myself in. My mom and daddy had disowned me. I was a thief and a robber. All my buddies were just like me. I was trapped. I couldn't go to church. They wouldn't have me. What else could I do? But he wouldn't let me die. He wouldn't give up on me. When nobody sought me out, he did. When my own mom and daddy was praying for me, he came to me. Mark 5 and 2. I need to quit. Curse if you can help me. He was coming out of the ship. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains. The chains had been plucked asunder by him. Fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him, and always night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stone. Where did he live at? In the tombs. Among the dead. He was dead. Just wouldn't nobody bury him. He wanted to die. Nobody would kill him. But when Jesus saw him. Or when he saw Jesus afar off. He ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice. 
said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For Jesus said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And then in verse 18, when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered or allowed him not. But said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish or to proclaim in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Somebody said, Hey! Ain't you the lunatic that used to live in the graveyard and run around crying and babbling and cutting yourself with stones? What happened to you? How did you get here? Jesus came to me. That's how. You ought to have been dead. We gave up on you years ago. How in the world are you doing so good? He would have told him, Brother Homer, he wouldn't let me die. I lived in the graveyard. I begged to die every day, but mercy kept me alive until he found me. Hallelujah. Mercy kept me until God's love found me. Every person in this house being held today had mercy not kept us until Jesus Found us. Abel, stand with me. Luke 7 and verse 11. It came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. Much people of the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the casket. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him back to his mama. That boy walked back into town the next day and they said, what are you doing here? We saw you die. We got the announcement from your mama, your grieving mama. Listen, a woman had no place in the workplace. His mom was a widow. She had no husband. That's her only boy. Now the son's dead. Ain't nobody going to take care of her no more, Brother Homer. She's going to be a beggar out on the street corner begging somebody to help her. And the Lord saw her and knew what kind of shape she was in and he had compassion on her. That, that woman needs that boy. Walked over and touched the casket. Wasn't no embalming, still not. To this day, Middle East, if you die, they carry you right then. Put you in the grave. At some point that day, the boy died. Jesus touched the casket. Said, boy, get up. He went to work the next day, Brother Joe. I, I watched you get run over. You was dead. Your mama was crying over you. What happened? 
I met Jesus. And he wouldn't let me die. He wouldn't let me die. I want to tell you, I don't know that boy's name. I don't know what he looks like. But God said, when you get to heaven, you're going to have the same testimony that boy had. You're going to tell him, boy, I was like you. He put his hand on me, and I got up. I got up, and I'm here today because he didn't let me die. I got several more points, but I ain't going to preach them. I'm here today, Lord, because mercy wouldn't let me die. Your mercy kept me. That's somebody here today, I don't know why it had to be today, God ordained that. Somebody today, you need the mercy of God. God said the only reason you're still here is my mercy's kept you. I wouldn't let hell kill you. I wouldn't let the devil destroy you. He could have you be in hell right now, but you ain't. He wants you to know why. It's his mercy. He wouldn't let you die. If you're here today and you say, well, I want to be, I want to be a Bartimaeus. Jesus! Son of God, have mercy on me. He will. If you feel like the boy being toted out in a casket, I'd die if somebody would bury me. I'd just die. I'd lay down and die and quit. Jesus come by to touch you today. Young man, I say to you, arise. Get up. There are people around you that need you to live and not die. Hallelujah. You can find out that with Jesus, life is worth living. He said, I'll give you life, not just life, but a joy-filled, peace-filled, abundant life. Hallelujah. I'll be your reason for living. Here this morning, you need to be born again. Come on, hurry. Here this morning, you feel like you're in short supply of hope. Come on this morning. Fill this altar up with me and throw both hands up to heaven. And ask him, Lord. I need some hope this morning. Lord, I need some peace today. Lord, I need victory in my soul. I'm still here because mercy wouldn't let me die. Lord, I need you to help me. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That's what he said. Come on. There's more beside Cindy here today. You need the mercy of God to help you and to give you strength. He will. That's what this day is ordained for. Today's a day of mercy, God said. Today's a day of Him showing compassion. 